So let's start with what is structural heart disease? I often get this question asked. Basically, traditionally, cardiology has always been focused on the blood vessels that supply blood to the heart. And structural heart disease is a more recent branch of cardiology that focuses on diseases in the heart that are outside of those coronary arteries, the blood vessels that supply the heart. Is this something that you're born with? Well, you might be born with it. That's called congenital heart disease if you're born with the defect. But there are structural problems that develop later on in life. could be a leaky valve, a tight valve that doesn't open, or like atrial fibrillation. All right, let's get down to specifics. We'll start with problems from a leaky mitral valve. So mitral valve regurgitation or leakiness of the mitral valve is most common valve problem that we see with the heart. So it's very common. It's very frequently seen. Typically, you know, if patients have a mild or moderate uh, leakiness of the valve, we don't do much other than just follow them clinically and see if there's any symptoms or problems that arise. But when the leakiness of the valve becomes severe to a severe degree or symptoms develop, um, then it's time to do something about it. There's different causes to the leakiness of the valve. Sometimes the problem is with the valve itself. That's called primary MR. Other times the valve is perfectly normal, but either the other parts of the heart are stretching it open and not letting it close appropriately. That's called secondary MR. What are some of the symptoms that a patient might experience? The most common symptom is shortness of breath. It's very tough to live with depending on the degree of shortness of breath. And sometimes people can have multiple reasons for why they're short of breath. But basically, when you have a severely leaking mitral valve and you develop symptoms, it becomes a a problem of heart failure. And patients usually bounce in and out of the hospital with heart failure, with trouble breathing, and they're traditionally managed with water pills. How do you treat it? The traditional way to fix it is surgery. That is still the gold standard or, you know, the best way of dealing with the problem. However, some of these patients develop the problem and they're either older or frail or have other medical problems that make them high risk to take to surgery. And so that's where the structural procedure called MitraClip comes into play. MitraClip is a, what's called a transcatheter. It's done through a catheter, a plastic tube that would go up through the groin it's literally a clip. So if you think of the mitral valve as a double door, the doors are not closing appropriately. There's a a gap somewhere. And so that's where the leak is coming from. What the clip does is it clips part of the valve leaflets together or part of those two doors together. And so the hope of the procedure is to decrease the amount of leakiness and to decrease the shortness of breath and recurrent hospitalizations for heart failure. All right, let's move on to atrial fibrillation. This is pretty common, isn't it? Extraordinarily common. Similarly to the mitral regurgitation, atrial fibrillation is the most common arrhythmia that we deal with on a daily basis in cardiology. As I tell most of my patients, atrial fibrillation is not so much a lethal rhythm. However, the bad part about atrial fibrillation is it increases your risk of stroke. The reason is the atria, or the top chambers of the heart, are beating very fast, I should say, and they're not moving blood through the heart very efficiently. And so blood clots can form in crevices, and if those blood clots ever get loose, then they can go anywhere and cause a stroke. They could cause a heart attack if they go to the heart 
or they can cause a lot of other major problems depending on which organ the clot goes to. The source of atrial fibrillation can vary from patient to patient. It is an underlying electrical problem. However, the electrical problem translates to a mechanical problem, and that's where the problem lies with flowing blood efficiently through the heart and forming blood clots. How is it treated? It's always been uh, traditionally done with Coumadin, which is a blood thinner, thins out the blood, and uh, decreases the risk of stroke. Coumadin is very effective. It works. If I have patients that are taking Coumadin and they don't have any problems taking Coumadin, then I typically have them stay on it. However, Coumadin can be very painful to use. It requires constant monitoring, so therefore it requires uh, needle sticks. It can interact with many medications, and it can interact with a lot of other foods that you eat. I think that that is still, you know, first-line therapy for atrial fibrillation to decrease the risk of stroke. However, there is a significant proportion of patients that have a legitimate rationale for seeking non-pharmacologic or non-medication of getting the stroke risk down. And uh, that is where this other procedure called Watchman comes in. And basically what the Watchman device does, it's an umbrella-shaped device, and we place it in the heart in the location where most of these blood clots form. It's done through a vein, so lower risk of bleeding, uh, not through an artery. And we go up to the heart, and we place it in what's called a left atrial appendage. It's uh, a little appendage or a little earlobe that sticks out of the left atrium, and we think 95% of blood clots are formed there. Finally, let's touch on aortic stenosis. What's that? First of all, to talk about aortic stenosis, we need to talk about the aortic valve. So the aortic valve is another one of the four valves in the heart. It's the valve that lets all the blood out of the heart to the rest of the body. Over time, especially as people age, uh, the leaflets or the doors of the valve get uh, hardened and stiff like everything else in the body, and they don't open so well. That's called aortic stenosis. And uh, like mitral regurgitation, there's different degrees of it, you know, mild, moderate, and severe. And uh, when patients develop severe aortic stenosis in combination with symptoms, symptoms being shortness of breath, chest pain, or passing out, then again, it is time to act and, and do something about it. Both of these problems are mechanical problems, and they cannot be fixed with medications. It has to be some sort of procedure, whether surgical or transcatheter-based. Okay. Now, this is treated with TAVR, and I know we've talked about this before. So the way the procedure is done is basically we go up from the groin up to the heart. We use catheters, which are plastic tubes and wires. We pass a wire through that little pinhole, and then the device has gotten very sophisticated. It's uh, basically a balloon with a stent around it. And within that metal stent is the valve. So balloon goes up, it deploys the stent. The stent gets approximated to the uh, walls of the old valve. And then the balloon is then deflated and the valve inside of it starts to work. It sounds as if this is quite an exciting time for patients who need help with so many medical advances taking place. Five, ten years, none of this was available. And so if you're not keeping up with the latest research, even for me, I deal with structural heart disease on a daily basis. It's hard to keep up with every new procedure and every new thing that's coming out every day. And so it's definitely worth, I think, if you're a patient at home, you're short of breath, you've been told that there's nothing else that can be done, it's definitely worth getting a second opinion. Well, you keep up with the journals, 
and thanks for taking time for us.